I mean, oh, I lost you. I'm sorry. I coughed so hard my earbud fell out. <laughs> and I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> That's not me. That's producer Andrew. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Todd Mack. And I'm Joseph Dorowski. This week we will be talking about Captain Malcolm Reynolds from the TV show Firefly. How are you doing, Todd? I am well. So, listeners, it may sound like to you that I've had a cold for over a month, <laughs> because last week we double recorded episodes, and we're actually recording out of order, so it may sound like, like I get better and then I get worse. This is the same cold I had last week but it's the third episode we have where my voice is going to sound a bit off and big news for our producer andrew he's now engaged and has my summer cold that i have it, been fighting off it's such a special occasion to have <laughs> a fiance and this cold yes this cold has prevented me from actually planning anything <laughs> because i want my full faculties at my disposal when i do such things yeah it really wipes you out but congratulations nice. producer andrew thank you yes a oh, uh, uh, hearty congratulations. That's awesome. Uh, we, we're, we're building up a backlog of episodes so that he can go on a honeymoon and that I can, uh, when my wife has a baby in a couple weeks, that I'll be able to not have to worry about recording. So we, we should be set. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be looking at the episodes Shindig and Objects in Space. And I would tell you what number they are, but I actually have no idea what number they are. And I don't think anybody on earth knows what number they actually really are because uh, of officially mystery I they are episodes four and ten if you look at an official production listing but four we'll and in- ten yes we'll get into some because like the- on on netflix uh, objects and space is 14 or maybe it's four and 14 maybe four and 14 i don't know we'll talk about why this is hard. this is why i say <laughs> yes uh shindig was written by jane espenson and directed by Vern gillum uh, while objects in space was written and directed by joss whedon the geek demigod himself and we are going to be talking about mal reynolds who is played by nathan fillion castle yes. he's our first repeat actor is he not for um, the lead yes yeah, yeah we he's had not for, the first repeat the actor we had the guy from himself. Uh, everybody loves raymond that was then in while you were sleeping um, while you were sleeping oh, yeah, Thank yeah. You. but this is the first lead yeah like the one we're talking about is the protagonist yes oh well yeah, done nathan, nathan fillion, fillion. Um, today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30 day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash protagonist. You have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or you're going old school, your MP3 player. And now, uh, Joseph has some trivia for us. Yes. Uh, we mentioned this was the first and only season of this show. It was, uh, as we said, created by Joss Whedon, began airing in September of 2002 and finished airing in December of 2002. Uh, 11 of 14 episodes that have been produced had aired when it was, uh, canceled. Eventually those three episodes were aired during the summer, I think. Um, and Fox, the network has faced a lot of criticism from some militant fans <laughs> over how it handled the series. Uh, they say it was yanked way too early, you know, before it had a chance to find its audience. And it also, and this is one thing Todd was hinting at earlier, they aired the episodes out of order. Most egregiously, they didn't air the pilot first. <laughs> 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 so, uh, 
of the episodes that we said 11 aired, uh, 14 were produced. I, I was just looking at air dates, and here is what I believe is the order in which these episodes aired. So I'm going to read the episode number, but I'm going in the order of sequence of airing. So it started with episode 2, then episode 3, then episode 6, episode 7, episode 8, episode 4, episode 5, episode 9, episode 10, episode 11... Uh, no, wait, uh, before episode 11 was episode 14. Episode 14 was the last one that aired, and then in the summer they aired episodes 11, 12, and 13. Wow. Yeah. Probably not the best way to build, uh, to handle a series that is building a larger mythology as it goes along. Yeah. Is it, isn't episode two, like, the second half of a two-hour pilot? Uh, I think in this list, the, the pilot was two hours, it was counted as one episode of oh, production okay. lock. So, I think there's 15 hours produced, 14 episodes. Um, some more trivia, uh, at the time, and when it was canceled in 2002, it averaged almost 5 million viewers per episode on Friday night, which I think today would have kept the show pretty darn safe. <laughs> I think that would be enough to green light, uh, fit, or Huck, Huck and Jim, Rogue, Star Marshals, and Akira the Wandering Zombie. Yeah. Akira the Wandering Zombie. <laughs> if you are curious about that reference, just jump back a few episodes in the feed when we did some elevator pitches for TV shows. <laughs> Um, the show, however, after it was canceled, it did really well with DVD sale, sales. This was before there were streaming options or anything. So, uh, if anyone wanted to watch the show, they had to go get it on DVD and it did very, very well. Uh, well enough that the, uh, production company greenlit Joss Whedon writing and directing a feature film that was going to wrap up a lot of the storylines that had been introduced in the short-lived series. And so in 2005, there's a film called Serenity. So the TV show is called Firefly. Firefly is the name of the class of ship that they fly around in serenity is the name of the actual ship itself so the film was called serenity uh and uh yeah i think that was joss whedon's first film that he directed was was the wrap-up to this um fans of the series are called brown coats um you know how there are trekkies and you know there are other names for certain fans and these ones are called brown coats and they are among i would say the more vocal of all fan bases Do, would you agree <laughs> with that andrew i was gonna say rabid okay <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> um, despite the odds of it being so, so very small, they still hope to see more episodes of this show produced for Netflix or another film being made incredibly unlikely at this point, since it has been over a decade since the one film was made. Um, however, uh, to help satiate their desire for more stories, there have been several comic books published by Dark Horse Comics, um, some of which I believe were written by Joss Whedon, or at least the story was done by Joss Whedon and maybe someone else did the script, but there have been several uh, Firefly comic books that carry on the story and wrap up some things that they wasn't able to get to in the film. So you know that I'm kind of a sucker for uh, canon. Yeah. Are those are the Dark Horse comics? Are they like Firefly canon? Yes, Joss Whedon like approved everything that was done there. Okay, all right. And okay, I, 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 he may have written <laughs> he may have written some, but I think he at least like outlined the story. If you didn't write them, might have been one they're of the not, They're not Firefly Legends. They're actual. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they they are uh, official canon. Good to know. All right, um, Todd. How yes. did you come to Firefly? When did you first see this show? I was on, it was the very first conference that I ever went to. I was, I was in my first year as a grad student at BYU. And I went to the Kentucky Foreign Language Conference and I stayed with uh, like some other student that was, that was at the University of Kentucky. I stayed in his apartment and he had a cat that made me sneeze like constantly <laughs> the whole time I was there. But he also had the whole uh, series, and I think I watched pretty much the whole entire thing in, like, the three days that I was there for the conference. 
like go go watch some sessions and then come back and watch a bunch of episodes of Firefly and uh I just kind of blew through it. Yeah, it's a, this is a very bingeable show and because it's only 14 episodes in a movie, you it's um an easily binged show. Not like if you want to go binge The Simpsons or something <laughs> or Buffy. <laughs> yes, or seven seasons of Buffy. Uh yeah, this is this is uh, and I would say the story holds up really well uh to binge viewing. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I think it was a brother of mine had the DVDs. My brother John, he's been a guest on the show, and I think he he lent them to me. Uh, I wasn't able to watch them when they were when they were on uh, when they were airing, uh, and you know if you missed that two month window, you missed the whole thing. <laughs> but then he got he, he had them on DVD, and so yeah, I think I did a similar thing where I binged them pretty quickly uh, all the way through. And yeah, no, no regrets on doing that. If you want to binge this, listeners, it is all available on Netflix for free. And I think it's not, you can stream on Amazon Prime, but I, or, but I think you have to pay. I think it's like 99 cents an episode if you do it through Amazon. It was, it was available for free on Amazon Prime until okay. like two days ago. Oh, okay. Cause I looked earlier and I thought I saw it for free. And then today I was double checking. I'm like, oh, it says it costs yeah. something. So no, it was cause I, I was on a camp out. And I had Are you downloaded. To stream? <laughs> I had down. Well, no, I downloaded because with Amazon Prime, and this is one of the perks of Amazon Prime, you can actually download episodes to your device. So then you can watch them if you don't have an internet connection. Like so if when you go camping, you take shows with you now. Uh, well, if I did. I did on this camp out. So, <laughs> so I was like yeah, in my tent, and I had a little clock above, and it said, "You have two hours and fifty minutes to watch." I was like, well, I got to get as much as I can. Because so it's going to remove your episodes. your uh, your download? Yeah, but that's actually one of the great benefits of Amazon Prime, that you can download the episodes, watch them in the car, watch them on a camp out. All right. Uh, do you want to give a quick rundown of what the show is about? Uh, I would. Uh, Firefly is it's set in uh, like a far future uh, of Earth where er, – well, so Earth has been um, – destroyed but uh humans have found ways to like create planets terraform planets and so they've created a bunch of worlds and then they go and populate those worlds and some of the worlds are like uh shiny and they have lots of spaceships and stuff uh, and a lot of the worlds are really poor and they live like uh like cowboys so it's a it's kind of a cowboy space thing like huck and jim in space sort of <laughs> yeah so it's, it's... but uh it's definitely mashing up old West cowboy and sci-fi. So you get things like people pulling they, out a gun and you simultaneously yeah, they hear really, the sound of a, of a Western gun. Like, yeah, uh, one of the things that I really, a, one of the things that I really liked about this show is that they really lean into the, like the old West aspect of it. And I'm, I'm a sucker for Westerns. And so it feels a, a lot. I mean, it feels like a Western. Um, and they dress in, uh, like, Western dusters attire. and boots. Uh, yeah, they wear dusters and they have their their they they wear they they shoot like regular guns with regular bullets. Um, there's one laser gun that shows up towards the end of the of this season. Uh, but anyway, uh, there's a there's a guy named this Malcolm Reynolds. He had fought in a civil war and lost. He was on the losing side, and so now he's um, he's kind of a Han Solo kind of. Uh, roguish character. He has this ship called Serenity, and he has a great uh, crew that's with him. And they just kind of pick up odd jobs, and they do some smuggling, and they do some uh, carrying passengers around, and they they just kind of try to fly low under the radar. 
and uh, not be picked up by the Alliance, who are the the bad guys that won the Civil War, and uh, and they go on lots of adventures. Real so, quick, I think this is probably a good, or well, as good a spot as any. Um, in my summary, I don't necessarily get into every character, so let's list the characters on the crew real quick, and maybe what their, you know, one sentence description of who they are. Okay, so first mate, her name is Zoe, and she was with Mal during the war, and she's uh, she's, she's like a, fighter. a fighter. Uh huh. And then she, you have her husband. His name is Wash, and he's the pilot. And he's a goofball. He's, kind of a, he's a, a goofball. <laughs> yep. And you've got uh, Kaylee. She's the mechanic. She's a young, like, young woman. And she, she, she was she, never really trained as a mechanic, but she just sort of talks to the machine and it, the, to the ship, and it kind of tells her what's going on. She, and she just like knows natural gift. everything about machinery, it seems. Yeah, she has a, na- a real natural, uh, like, intuitive gift for fixing things. And then you've got Jane, who is a man. And he's played by what's his name, Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin. Yeah, he was and in he Chuck. Is if in you Chuck, know, him. yes. Yeah. And he basically plays the same character, <laughs> but he's like really gruff. He's just a hired gun. Um, he's and... stupid and strong. <laughs> kind of, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, stupid and strong. He's a total mercenary. Like the reason that he's there is because Mal offered him more money than the guy that that had hired him previously and and mal kind of knows that if anybody ever came along and offered him more money that jane would turn on him in a heartbeat um and then they pick up a few people in the in the pilot so there's a guy named simon he's a doctor and his sister her name is river and she was uh captured by the alliance she's like a super off the charts like savant level genius um and she was captured by the alliance and they did a bunch of testing on her so she's very uh unstable and uh, Simon's just kind of keeping an eye on her, and he actually stole her away from the Alliance, so he's a fugitive. It's a guy named Shepard Book, who is a preacher, and he he is on the ship because he's a preacher, and he doesn't really have anywhere to go. He's kind of itinerant. He just moves around, along. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a woman named Anara, and she is what's called a companion, which is a... Prostitute? A, a prostitute, yeah. Well, I want... I'm, I, like an official sort of like high level. It's uh, like in a European country where they've legalized everything and there's a whole system in place. It's like that. Right. <laughs> She's an, I would, I, I would think of her like as an escort. Yeah. Um, and do we cover everybody? Yeah. That's, that's the main crew. That's the crew. Okay. And so hijinks ensue amongst them. Before we get to the full spoiler synopsis for these two episodes, Todd, I believe you have prepared a special ad read. I'd like to take a minute and talk to you about audible. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast, there's a good chance uh, that you like to take advantage of your on-the-go time. And there's also a good chance that you enjoy reading good books. And if this is the case for you, I encourage you to go over to audibletrial.com slash protagonist and check out the incredible offering of audiobooks available through Audible. So a lot of people have heard about Audible. I don't know that everybody knows exactly how Audible works. So the first thing to know is that your first month is free. So that means uh, you get one free audiobook that's yours to keep forever. So you sign up for free, you give them credit card information, but they won't charge it for your first month. Um, and then you get to choose any audiobook from Audible's unmatched selection of bestsellers, new releases, mysteries, thrillers, romance, sci-fi, and more. That's over 180,000 titles to choose from, and they have the most popular books and the best narrators. You want to listen to Harry Potter audiobook that everyone's been raving about? Sorcerer's Stone. Boom. Free. You need to feed your Twilight vi- fix? Vampires and werewolves, free. We're talking hours and hours of entertainment, absolutely free. 
And now, Todd, if someone doesn't want uh, fantasy, are there some other genres that are represented? I've got everything. I, well, I said you've got new releases, mysteries, thrillers, romance, sci-fi. You have fiction non-fiction, and nonfiction. Yeah. Yep. You've got everything. So, and, and then the great thing about this is that you have more time for books. So I don't know very many people who think, I, oh, I wish I just watched more TV. <laughs> uh, maybe some people do. Uh, but I think a lot of people think, I wish that I ha- I could read more books. Or maybe you remember a time when you were younger and you read lots of books and now your life has gotten really busy and you don't have time to read books. Uh, Audible is for you. So you download the free Audible app and you listen on your commute. You listen while you're walking the dog or while you're on a run or while you're working around the house, uh, mowing the lawn or folding clothes. Suddenly, you have more time to enjoy great books. And then finally, you never pay full price for audiobooks again. After 30 days... Audible is $14.95 a month, and you get one monthly credit that's good for any audiobook. So that guarantees you one book to read every single month for $15. Uh, Plus, you get 30% off of all other purchases. So just to give you an idea, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone is regularly regularly priced at $29.99. And you get it for free if you want, uh, or for that $15 a month, you could use your credit and get Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. The Fellowship of the Ring is... Thirty-eight forty-nine regular price, and you could get it for you know fifteen dollars a month. Uh, if you don't like a book, you can return it within three hundred and sixty-five days and exchange it for another. Uh, it's pretty. It's Seems a pretty like it be an easily abused aspect of yeah. model. <laughs> so so really, that's like infinite books. <laughs> so, but I think Basically. they're trusting that you're not going to abuse that aspect of there. Well, I think so, but or, I, but it's pretty. Cool but it's you. pretty great. Like I. So here's the thing. I talked to my dad today, and I said, hey. You should sign up for this thing. And he said, oh, uh, uh, I will. And so he signed up. And then he said, what should I read? And I said, well, you sh- maybe you should look out, uh, look out for this book called Watership Down that I'm reading right now that I really like. And this is something we'll be talking about on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And he said, what if I don't like it? And I said, if you don't like it, then return it and get another one. And he was like, really? I can do that? And I said, yes, you can. So uh, it's, pretty, it's, a, it's a really great deal. I highly recommend that you take advantage of it. So head on over to audibletrial.com slash protagonist and get started. Uh, and even if you cancel after the first month, your free book is yours to keep forever. No strings attached. Uh, and that's pretty great. So check it out. This sounds um, amazing. Like, yeah, that's everyone, a good go, go do it. Like, even if you, like, you get to keep those books. Like, you can re-listen to that Sorcerer's Stone copy you got. You can pass it on to your kids. Forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, re- <laughs> it's really... Um, it's pretty amazing, and I was like just counting down the days this month for my month to to be up so that I could get my next book, and it just shows up like then uh, June sixteenth, uh, it said your your credits in, go pick a book, and so I did, and I'm actually listening to Watership Down right now, and it's so good, it's so good, and to have those like professional voice actor narrators, it makes all the difference. It's so good, uh, totally worth it. So go check it out. All right. So, uh, now listeners, we're entering the full, full spoiler zone. So if you want to pause this podcast and go watch all of Firefly in the next 10 hours or so, go ahead and do that and then come back and listen to this. Uh, but right now I'm going to tell you what happens in episode four, Shindig. At a bar that is a mix of an Old West and future sci-fi setting, Captain Malcolm Reynolds steals some money from another patron, but don't worry, it's a slave trader, so it's okay. (laughs) But the slave trader realizes what has happened, and so we get a classic barroom brawl sequence. 
Uh, then we cut to the crew traveling to a planet called Persephone. And Nara, who is a companion, is considering offers that have come to her from that planet, uh, from that planet for, you know, her companionship. Uh, she chooses to accompany a man named Antherton Wing for several days, one of which will include a fancy party. Very exciting. Captain Mal makes hints about his disapproval of Anara's career obligations while he has a conversation with her. On the planet Persephone, the crew is walking through a city, and Kaylee wishes that she had a fancy dress. And by fancy dress, I think you need to be thinking Little Bo Peep <laughs> is what she's ima- imagining for fancy dress. Like, just big... What's, what's the name of that skirt that, that's like a bell? Big, It's like big hoop skirts yes. and big poofy sleeves and high neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, annoyed at listening to Kaylee talk about this dress, and she mentions that Inara has nice dresses like that to please wealthy men. Uh, this, this bothers Mal, and he, his direct side overcomes his human empathetic side, and he just says to Kaylee, what are you gonna do in that rig? Flounce around the engine room? You'd be like a sheep standing around on its hind legs. <laughs> Which offends Kaylee and the other women that so are all around. Cruel. But Jane, but Jane is just kind of like, well, why is everyone mad? <laughs> he was just fine with Mal being that direct. Um, at this moment, a local criminal named Badger holds Mal and Jane at gunpoint and demands that they speak together. Badger says that he knows a local wealthy man who needs a smuggler to help move some product off world. The man won't work with Badger because he's too disreputable. But Badger knows that Captain Mal can clean up real nice and look respectable. He wants Mal to go meet this man at a fancy party. Badger uh, wants a cut of the profits, though, even though he's not the one actually doing any of the communication nor work, but he wants a cut of the profits because he has the invites that Mal is going to need to go get into that fancy party. At the fancy party, we see a high-tech weapon detector stop a man from bringing a gun in. He has to hand it off to the security. Uh, then we see Inara and Atherton enter Atherton tries to be complimentary to Inara, but he mostly comes off as an annoying, clueless prig. Mal, uh, this is this is back at the ship's serenity. Mal asks Kaylee to come down from the engine room, and she just yells down that she's not talking to him, and he says, you don't need to talk, just come. And we cut back to the fancy party, where Atherton is offering Inara the chance to live on this planet as his personal companion. Kaylee and Mal now enter the party. She is wearing the roughest pink dress you can imagine. <laughs> and she is positively beaming to be in He's this so excited. Room. In this fancy dress. Yeah, she is so happy. Um, Captain Mal is concerned that his fancy clothes, his pants are a little tight. <laughs> And he's looking around the room trying to find the wealthy gentleman he's supposed to try and smuggle stuff for. And uh, Kaylee goes over to get some food from the buffet table. And it's at this moment that she offers the classic line, yes, sir, Captain Tight Pants. Back at Serenity, Jane, Simon, and Shepard Book are playing cards, gambling for chores. (laughs) So whoever wins gets this list of all the chores uh, that are in there. And whenever he plays, he can give that slip to other people and make them go do that chore for him on the ship. (laughs) And at at this moment, River, though, she has an episode in the kitchen. So we mentioned that River, she'd been experimented on. She has moments where she uh, she panics. She has moments where she's completely lucid and has normal conversations. But then she'll also have moments where she starts saying things that she shouldn't know. So she's kind of, she's an odd figure on the ship and no one knows what to do with her. But in this instance, she has a panic attack about the labels that are on some cans of food and she starts um, ripping them off and kind of panting and, and yelling things. And, um, 
<laughs> Simon and Shepard run over to go help River, <laughs> and Jay just lifts some of the chore slips from their piles. He just cheats and takes their things. Zoe and Wash are enjoying each other's company as husband and wife, uh, rather than choosing to go off of the ship. Um, and we cut back now to the fancy party where a, a group of queen bees come up and are incredibly rude to Kaylee, telling her that her dress looks store-bought and that her slave is not very good at making it. An old man <laughs> then comes up and he puts the queen bees in their place with some very well-timed insults and they storm off. And then the old man asks Kaylee to forgive him for having been rude, but he cannot abide useless people. <laughs> Which I like I the old man. I like the old man, but he's continuing to be rude as he's asking <laughs> for, or he's apologizing <laughs> for having been rude. Um, now we see that Mal at this fancy party has found his mark and he goes up to this, this portly gentleman who's obviously quite wealthy and he offers his services as a smuggler. Just then Atherton and Inara walk up and Mal, noting how possessive Atherton is acting, asks Inara for a dance. And Inara and Mal go have a debate while they are dancing. It's one of those, they're dancing, but they're really sparring verbally. And Mal calls his smuggling illegal but honest, but what uh, Inara does is legal but dishonest. Kaylee, this is a great scene. We cut over to Kaylee, and she is surrounded this. by men, and she's just talking shop about engines. She is just they're asking her questions about engines and she's answering them and she's showing that she knows more about engines than all of them and there's this this crowd of men who are fawning over her <laughs> uh let's see and we we cut over and atherton is staring daggers at mal and this actor can really give a good mean glare he does a great job and then he he steps into the dance and he takes a hold of Anara and says that she is his. And Mal says she doesn't belong to nobody. And Atherton asserts money changed hands, which makes her mine tonight, which then makes Mal punch him right in the face. And <laughs> Atherton stands up and announces, I accept, to which Mal replies, that's great. What? <laughs> and it turns out that by punching him in the face, Mal was challenging Atherton to a duel. And Mal says, that's great, but where are our guns? Because those were taken away. Let's go have the duel. And then he's told, no, no, no. This, on this planet, it is a sword duel. And the man that Mal wanted to do business with, he comes up and he warns Mal that Atherton has killed a dozen men in sword duels. <laughs> but on the bright side, uh, this man is in place, impressed with Mal and would like to hire him to be his smuggler if he survives. <laughs> So over at Serenity, Badger drops by to explain that the captain is in a t tight situation and he needs to insist that the crew make no effort to go rescue the captain. And Badger is actually holding Kaylee hostage to make sure that the, the crew doesn't do anything. So Mal, he was given a room to stay in to make sure they didn't run away like a coward. And Inara comes and visits him in his very luxurious room. And... So they have a little talk, and over on Serenity, the crew is kind of talking about needing a distraction, and just then River walks in, and she acts very weird, and she starts talking to Badger like they're from the same planet, and everyone just stops and stares, and then she walks out, and Jane says, that would have been a great distraction. <laughs> everyone in the room just stops and watch River do this thing that she does. Yes. Um, Back uh, at Mal's room, Inara is trying to teach him how to duel, and they debate his code of ethics. Uh, then the next day we get to the duel, and Mal is losing very badly. He's not very good at this, and <laughs> Atherton is. And Inara suddenly yells that she's going to stay with Atherton if he lets Mal live, and uh, Atherton looks over, and while he's distracted, Mal gets the upper hand. He He's able to uh, disarm Atherton and actually wound him. And Atherton is now down on the ground, wounded, and Mal is standing above him holding a sword at uh, at him, and he gives a speech about mercy being the mark of a great man, and then he stabs Atherton in the gut and says, I guess I'm just a good one. And then he stabs him <laughs> again and says, well, 
I'm all right. <laughs> and then uh, Mal's business partner uh, says that he'll have his goods in serenity before nightfall. Uh, Captain and Inara get back to the ship just as the crew is about to launch into a plan to mount a rescue operation. Uh, and they're told they don't need to. And then in the final shot, we discover that the, the loot they are smuggling is a herd of cows. <laughs> it's filled up. Uh, Serenity. All right, so now that was uh, the episode called Shindig. This is the last episode called Objects in Space that was written and directed by Joss Whedon. In this episode, uh, River wanders the ship, and she she sees the crew all going about uh, their day. But as she looks at each of them, she gets we get a weird flash of kind of her point of view, and they all seem to turn and speak directly at her in kind of rude or odd ways. Uh, but then we cut back to what's really happening, and they're all just having everyday conversations. And then she walks d- into another part of the ship, and she looks down, and there's a, tw- a twig, kind of like from a tree branch, and she bends down to pick it up. And then we cut to the crew's point of view, and she's holding a loaded gun, and everyone is panicking, and Mal is able to get it away from her. And then we see that there is a ship following Serenity in deep space. And it's following along behind it in a way that they can't see it. They don't know that this other ship is there. Inside the small ship, we see a man looking at a wanted poster with River's picture on it. Uh, on Serenity, the crew is debating what to do about River and whether she is a threat or not. Uh, we also see the man from the other ship get into a space uh, spacesuit and he floats onto Serenity's hull. And he peeks through a window and he actually sees the crew talking. As Kaylee reveals that in an earlier episode, she saw River kill three bad guys with her eyes closed. <laughs> which kind of terrifies Kaylee. Um, And we also, um, as an audience, we see that River is listening to the crew have this debate uh, kind of about whether River is crazy or not, whether she's safe or not, all these other things. And Mal even says that he thinks River might be psychic. In the hallway, Simon and Kaylee share a little romantic moment and are about to kiss when Shepherd Book walks by and the moment is ruined. Then we see everyone heading to bed and the bounty hunter enters the ship. Uh, the, he turns the corner, so he's come down the ship and then he turns the corner and the first thing that he sees is Captain Mal was walking down the hall and they just are face to face for a second and they look at each other surprised and then there's a quick fist fight and the bounty hunter wins and knocks Captain Mal unconscious and drops him into his quarters and then he locks all of the crew quarters and this means that the the captain, Jane, uh, Zoe, and Wash are all locked into their rooms, but Shepard, Simon, River, and Inara, they all have uh, quarters somewhere else on the ship. So now we see that Kaylee wasn't in her room that's locked, but she was in the engine room. The bounty hunter goes there, and we discover how en- enigmatic this man is. So this is some of his first lines He's of dialogue. So I love him. He is fantastic. One of my favorite characters. Uh, Kaylee says, how'd you get here? And he just says, strains the mind a bit, don't it? <laughs> Before he goes on to this crazy existential tangent. <laughs> It is so wonderful. Then this bounty hunter, he threatens Kaylee in the most calm and horrific way possible before he ties her up and tells her not to make any trouble. Next, we see Shepard Book get taken out uh, and locked away. Then Simon is attacked by the bounty hunter. Uh, Simon asks the bounty hunter if he's a lion, to which he replies, Am I a lion? I don't think of myself as a lion. You might as well, though. I have a mighty roar. Before Simon clarifies that he said, Alliance. Not a lion. (laughs) And the bounty hunter then just moves on, asking where River is. Oh, Uh, this guy is so weird. (laughs) The bounty hunter looks into River's room, and he notes that it's empty, and then he starts monologuing. So is it still her room when it's empty? Does the room, the thing, have purpose? Or do we... And then he remembers what he's there for, and they go looking for River through the ship. (laughs) 
they lock Inara in her shuttle and uh, frustrated uh, the bounty hunter, whose name we now know is Early. He starts yelling out for River to show herself or he's going to shoot Simon, her brother. Suddenly the speakers come on with River's voice, who says uh, that she knew the crew wanted her to go away, so she melted into the ship and is now part of the ship. River is gone. Now she is Serenity. River slash Serenity comforts Kaylee and says that she's going to need Kaylee's help, and she coaches Kaylee on breaking free. And then we cut to the bridge. And on the bridge, Early is asking Simon where River really is. And Simon says he can't keep track of her when she's not incorporeally possessing a spaceship. <laughs> and Early yells out for her, and then just a giggle comes across the speakers, and he notes... That is somewhat unsettling. <laughs> uh, and River's voice keeps goading early and is even beginning to reveal information about his past, things that she shouldn't know. And Captain Mal is now waking up in his quarters and River's voice asks him to do her a favor. And then we see that Kaylee is now free and River's voice is guiding her along. And Kaylee goes and unlocks the crew quarters and River's voice tells the captain to go now. And just as she says that, all the lights on the ship uh, blink and turn off. And River is talking with Early, taking his attention. And we see Captain Mal sneak out in the background. And Early realizes now, though, that that River has not possessed the spaceship. He is in, She is, in fact, on his spaceship the one that was trailing Serenity. And we cut to a shot from outside, and we see uh, Serenity, uh, or, or we see uh, early spaceship and Rivers in it in a spaceship, uh, in a spacesuit. And River says that early is not right, just like River is not right. So she wants to go with him so that everyone on Serenity can just do what they want without worrying about her, and she offers to be Early's bounty. But Simon, he doesn't like that idea, and he attacks Early, who promptly shoots him in the leg. Uh, and because of the, all this noisy ruckus of a gun going off in the ship, we see Jane startle awake, and he's been asleep this entire time <laughs> in his room. This is one of my favorite scenes. We see him jerk awake, and he stares up at his ladder, uh, like at this is where he's the sound from come from and he pulls this blanket that's hanging on his wall away and we see a massive collection of guns that was hidden by this blanket on his wall and then he rolls over and snuggles under the blanket and falls back asleep (laughs) (laughs) and now early the bounty hunter he exits serenity's airlock to return to a ship and that's when we see captain mal is in a spacesuit waiting for him and he just (laughs) knocks early off of serenity's hull and so he goes floating off into outer space and then river returns back to serenity We see Simon coaching Zoe about how to remove a bullet from his leg. She says that she prefers putting bullets into people rather than taking them out. And then we close on a shot of Early floating out in space where he just says, well, here I am. That's the end, and that's the end of the whole TV series. Yes. It ends with, well, here I am. Okay. So where do we go from here? All right, so we talked some about Captain Mal, and I think going back to the the episode Shindig, that that's where I think we can really dig into some of his code of ethics. Uh huh. And because he does, it's he he, very complicated. He's an outlaw. He's a criminal, but he has a very strict sense of what is right and wrong. And this goes back to the war that he fought in, that he was on the losing side. Um, and the rebellion, like he wasn't a rebel. He wasn't a mercenary that was hired to fight for the rebellion. Like he was an ideological rebel against the Alliance. Like he felt like the Alliance was doing bad things and this rebellion was going to set order in the universe, uh, or, or set humanity's course in the universe on a better path than what the Alliance was on. So he had moral reasons for fighting. And even though he lost, he still sticks to that moral code in a lot of ways. So there seems to be some contradiction in him. Yeah, and I think it's what makes him interesting. I think it's what it's what makes that episode entertaining. But he has no 
he has no problems saying some pretty like pointed mean things to Inara. Yes. About her profession. But when somebody else when Atherton does it, then he's like ready to to duel Do- to the death for it's- her honor. Yeah, for her honor. And they have an explicit uh bit of dialogue about this where he says this is when uh, she's come to his room and she's actually giving him some pointers about how to do sword fighting. And she questions him about this. She's like, you make fun of me all the time. But when he did it, you punched him in the face. And he said, no, I don't respect your profession. He did not respect you. And that's the difference in Mal's eyes. Um, he he doesn't respect what she does for a living. But as a person, he I mean, he's clearly quite fond of her. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, even perhaps romantically so, uh, as it's been hinted at several times. Uh, but he, he can't even really stomach what she does for her living. So you don't see, you don't see a contradiction there. You, you buy, you take that at face value. When no, says, I think there's, I, I, that's his explanation, but I think, like you're saying, there's still more there because I, I think there is a very real sense in which, you know, what you do and what you choose to do is a part of who you are. And, uh-huh. And so she's choosing to do this thing that he finds repulsive, but he's separating out that aspect of her and only focusing on the parts that he likes. Ah, it's interesting. How do you think he stands up uh, across like the kind of rogue? If you if you put him up against other uh, these kind of roguish characters, especially I think we see them a lot in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But how do you think he he stands up as as that kind of character compared to? Maybe other characters uh, of the same mold. So who do we, Han Solo is the go-to for the yeah. sci-fi rogue, um, and it's what we see of Mal. It's it's definitely different from Han Solo because Han Solo starts by being just a mercenary, like he's right. just for hire, and then you find out that he has a moral code. And Mal, he's always kind of wearing his morality on his sleeve. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, he's willing to do bad things to bad people, and he's willing to help good people, even if he's kind of grudgingly, and he'd rather be paid for it. But if, he, if they can't, like we see episode after episode, that he's willing to do good things for good people. Yes. Uh, so I, I think he, in some ways, he starts from a more moral place than Han Solo, but he also never transforms the way Han Solo does, you know, by Return of the Jedi, where he's a full-fledged uh-huh. part of the good guy team. And you know, risking himself for the sake of the good guys and all these other things. There doesn't seem to me much change in his character over the course of these episodes. No. Um, and Joss Whedon has said that he had planned Serenity to run for seven years. Like he wanted, he had a kind Firefly. of a seven or Firefly. Sorry. He had kind of a seven, seven year outline, uh, you know, at least a vague outline of what the arcs of these characters are going to be. And so 14 episodes in, you're barely scratching <laughs> the surface yeah. of that. So I, I mean, I would have loved to be in a universe where we got all seven years and saw, I, I I'm sure we would have seen evolutions and changes for these characters and their attitudes and their interactions. And, and the ones that seem to be in love with each other in this first season probably wouldn't be the ones that ended up together in the last season, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. It's interesting to think about like, where is there for him to go? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, in this sci-fi world that's been built, there is the civilized world, and he is absolutely choosing to live on the fringe. On they call it the raggedy edge in the movie. Is right. that right, Angie? Is that the one that they call it the raggedy edge? Um, you know, this is a frontier hero in the sense, like you said, of the classic American cowboy, the uh, you know, the the Kilkennys, the the Shanes, the ones yeah. who who will ride into a town, save the day, and then they ride off because they don't belong there. They you yes. know they they always need to be 
in the uncivilized part, kind of half taming it, but also enjoying the the wildness of the untamed portion. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what do we, from what we see of his character now, if you were Joss Whedon and you had seven seasons planned for this guy, like, where would you take him character-wise? I think uh, eventually maybe we would see him get into more of the Han Solo role, but maybe even more of a leadership role of the rebellion against the Alliance. Like here, he's kind of a thorn in the Alliance's side, but there is no active rebellion. I'm guessing from what we saw in the movie, uh, in which he helps to do some, to, to really, uh, hurt the alliance, uh, quite significantly, uh, in the movie that there, there would become a longer term arc of maybe, a, a more organized rebellion against the alliance reforming. But doesn't uh, that, wouldn't that just take him back to kind of where he started? I mean, that's the very, that's succeed. the very beginning of, uh, the pilot. <laughs> I want to say like S1, E1, but it's really like, S1E16, which is really the pilot episode, but that's how the pilot begins, is with him fighting in a war, and he's a he's a leader of this uh, rebellion. So, I mean, wouldn't that... I don't know. I just... I'm, I'm struggling to see... I mean, I think he's a, he's, a, he's a really interesting character. I'm just wondering, like, what... You know, he receives his call to adventure, and then where... But, like, where does he go? Like, what is the... What is the process that he needs to go through? What does he lack that he needs to gain? Because he already is compassionate. He seems, I mean, I I guess one direction would be uh, his ability to develop some kind of relationship with somebody, and whether that's an Ara or somebody else. Uh, But he doesn't seem emotionally attached, at least not romantically attached to anyone, although he does care about all the people on his crew. He has a great relationship with Kaylee. He has a really good relationship with Zoe and with Wash. So he doesn't seem like completely detached like that. Um, like emotionally, he needs to build great relationships with the people around him. He does have pretty good relationships with people around him. He doesn't need to like gain, gain some kind of moral code. His moral compass seems pretty uh, like it points to a pretty good place. It's consistent I just don't for know him. Where he goes. Yeah, it's consistent for him. And I think that it's not completely uh like he's not an unsympathetic character because of his moral code like i I think that most people that watch the show would agree that mal's moral code is is pretty good yeah so i don't see a lot of change that needs to be done there i just don't see like for him as a character i don't see a lot of places for him to go and really the the two are the one i already laid out where he goes back to successfully <laughs> uh, fighting against the Alliance or the, I think the only other option is they go farther out and they settle down somewhere <laughs> beyond the fringes and start a new civilization somewhere out there. But he's not yeah, but those, ready to both do that of those yet. Are things, both of those are things that he does, but does he need to be anything different in order to do those things? Like he didn't lose the war the first time. It wasn't his fault. Right. But his side lost. He, <laughs> you yeah, know, but it wasn't, but it wasn't his fault. In fact, he's, he's, essentially won the battle that we, the first battle that we see he's won that almost single-handedly and then the people that he's working with they decide not to send in air cover and he's and he's defeated but it's not his fault so like there's it doesn't seem like he lacks anything as far as character or abilities are concerned to go back he just all he lacks is opportunity and right. if, if I mean, the opportunity in some ways, was, I were a- to arise then he would he would jump at it and he would go back and take on the alliance again. 
I mean, in some ways, it almost seems like this is going back to his, when we, we talked about his opinion of Inara, like, are we talking about her personality that he likes or her career that he doesn't like? Are we talking about transformations in his personality or transformations in what he does? I'm talking about transformations in his character. And I don't see, I don't see that there's any really room for growth for him. The only thing that I see is that the, if the context changes, then different opportunities arise and he will or will not take advantage of those. Um, he's capable of settling out on the, on the fringes. He's also capable of taking on the Alliance today. Right? Like he doesn't need to go and become illuminated and find a mentor that's going to, like he doesn't need to go through the hero's journey in order to get into a place where he's capable of doing great things. Seems like all he lacks is opportunity. But I think the transformation that would need to happen, and I know you're saying, like, well, he was already a leader on that battlefield, but he was not a leader of the Rebellion. And I think that's one of the reasons the Rebellion failed. I think he would need to become that mentor. Like, he needs to transform from being, you know, wherever he's at on this to being a mentor figure to others, because there's just not enough Rebellion happening. Is there something of, like, maybe Katniss Everdeen in this, where he needs to accept the fact that he could be a great leader? which I don't think that he sees in himself. I don't think he sees himself as a great leader. He sees himself as a leader of a ragtag bunch of, of people, and he doesn't see that potential in himself. And maybe, maybe the character change that would happen, that could happen if we were like in Joss Whedon's shoes, which neither of us are, um, would be to uh, help him to see the potential that everybody that watches the show sees in him. And that his crew sees in him. Yeah, and that is crew season him absolutely. That Zoe see, for sure that Zoe sees in him. I mean Zoe would walk through fire for him. I have some theory stuff. All right. <laughs> Producer Andrew flying in through the fog of a summer cold with some theory here. Yeah. All right. So, and Joseph can back me up on some of this. There is a not thoroughly known nor accepted concept called the American monomyth which is in contrast to the classical monomyth, which is, which is the hero's journey. Sure. The American monomyth is the Western hero rides in because society is failing to overcome whatever their obstacle is. He saves the day and he rides out or he stays and recurringly does the same thing. Cause that's superheroes. Sure. So Mal is that hero. He's a Western hero. He needs to ride in, save the day and leave. Yeah. The, the way that it was described to me, I had a professor who said, um, that all of, all of the spaghetti westerns followed one of two models. It's either a hero goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. And I think what you're saying is that Mal will always be a stranger comes to town. He's just not a hero goes on a journey. Yes. So he's a stranger comes to town, but the story follows him. So it's a little off from our classical stories. Yeah, where the kid watches the cowboy ride in. <laughs> yeah. So if you if you you know watch a classic western like Shane, yeah. but you're always following Shane, Shane doesn't grow. Shane doesn't develop in that story. Right. His only change is saying like maybe I can't, you know, change how I was. And Mel is just not trying to change how he was, and he rides in, does this thing, and he leaves, and he doesn't care. But when yeah, I mean, we, fo- I, I guess when I, we follow I like- that story, it looks like there's no growth. But when we look at the effect he's having, it's a huge effect for the we, people uh, he's around. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't dispute that Mal's having an effect on the people around him. But like, think of a story like Kilkenny that we talked about last year. And Kilkenny, 
there is the, he is i mean like talk about a classic western hero but he also wants his ranch up in the mountains and he wants to be able to have this relationship with uh what is her name Nita um and like there's there's something in him that he's striving for um and i'm like i kind of struggle to see what mal is is struggling for like where is there for him to go except to just keep having these adventures over and over again and and like i grant they're they're fun and exciting adventures and he has a great uh, team around him that makes for great stories i'm just i don't know well, he I mean, <laughs> I mean he he genuinely lost his way when he lost the war like that yeah. was his place to go and it doesn't exist and he lost what he was fighting for and he lost his faith i mean and the so we get the film that's kind of like Joss Whedon finally being able to put a little coda on the story and the big thing you know the, the quest in that film is revealing a dirty dark secret about the alliance that's going to ruin the government basically uh-huh and that's his his sole job is to kind of ruin the alliance yeah and and so it does revert back to where we see him at the beginning but this in the film he succeeds in doing that thing sure if you haven't seen the film, by the way, it has one of the best fight scenes I have ever seen when River Song finally does her thing. It's like the built. Is her name across... River Song? Or no, River Tam. River Song is Doctor Who. I just crossed universes. <laughs> just crossed universes. River Tam. It, it was built across 14 episodes. We got hints of her in action. And in the film, they did a really good job of kind of hinting that she's got some moves to her. And then she gets a really awesome fight scene. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm... I don't know. I like Firefly. I can't say that Firefly is like the greatest show that was ever only aired for one season, <laughs> but uh, it's it's good. And I really I do like Mal as character, and I I I may be coming across as like very critical of him. I think he's I think he's great. Like he's so fun to watch on screen, and his like just from the beginning he owns <laughs> like he owns this show. It's such a perfect role for him, and. And it's really fun to watch. Um, I just, as I was thinking about him as a character, I had some, you know, questions. Thoughts. Yeah. So. And uh, when we did our castle episode, um, we, we, we talked about that. I always kind of had a, a strained relationship with castle and, and that I enjoyed, you know, the, the fun aspects of the show, but I kind of always wished I was watching Nathan Fillion on Firefly still. <laughs> and I was glad <laughs> he got a show that ran for seven years, Castleman for seven seasons. Uh, you know, and so I got there and I enjoyed seeing him on that, but I, I always kind of wished he was still back on Firefly doing these adventures. Yeah. And I can see that. Yeah, and I completely agree with you though. Like he there's just a charisma that he has in that outfit on that spaceship that uh you you can tell this is an actor that's going to lead a show even if this one failed after 14 episodes. You know, yeah. he he had something about him. Yeah, and he, he he looks so young. I mean, if you compare him to like Castle season 7, Nathan Fillion, there's he looks so young. But he he also does have this kind of like world weariness. Yes, exactly. Like he seems weary, and like he's been around the block a lot of times. And I just think he he plays the role really really well. And for everything that we know about Joss Whedon tells me that he would have found a way to make a really compelling story that would have that would have lasted a long time. So I'm not saying like oh they're totally justified in shutting this down. I just am saying I 
I would be really interested in seeing where Joss Whedon takes this because I don't see where where it would have gone very clearly. Are you still there? Yes. I was just trying to think of I mean, <laughs> so you're just kind of putting yourself into the imaginary role of storyteller. Like what do you do with this particular character, which is a character you love, but like what is the story you tell that's compelling to you? Right. To... And I don't I don't exactly see it. I mean I'll, all I can see is putting him in new situations and having the same character do cool things in different situations. I don't see a ton of potential for growth for him, but that doesn't mean that it's not there. Well, it also doesn't mean that that is is not a successful show because there are dozens of shows that are just case of the week. (laughs) You know, the same people doing the same thing just with a twist on what the case is. Well, just think of of Jim and Huck uh, rogue space marshals. (laughs) Star marshals. Star Star marshals. Sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) <laughs> I can remember. Say it, say it the way Buzz Lightyear says. Space, Space Ranger. Ranger, Star Marshal, Star Marshals. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about any of the other characters here? Yeah. So in the, in the last episode, which oh by the way, so this week's episode, we forgot to say this at the top of the show, but it is brought to you by listener Jessamine, who is a patron, and she requested that we talk about Firefly, and she asked that we talk about Captain Mal and the episode Objects in Space, and we watched the episode Objects in Space, and we love it. I, it is one of my favorite episodes of Firefly. I mean, there's only fourteen, but that is one that I have remembered since the first time I watched it. Where some of the others, they're a little vague and hazy in my memory. I'd have to go rewatch them to know what it was. But when she said objects in space, I was like, "Oh, it's the one with the existential bounty hunter." <laughs> um, yes. and, but when we watched the episode, we kind of said, "This isn't really a Captain Mal episode." Like we don't find a whole lot out about his character, and that's why. Todd suggested we go do Shindig as well, and just so that we could also have some discussion about Captain Mal and the things we learn about his character. What we find out, I, I think the characters that we find out the most about in Objects in Space are the existential bounty hunter Early and River. Yes. Uh, and they're... And I would say Simon also. Yes. We definitely do get more about Simon. Uh, both his sense of duty to his sister, his... Uh, growing affection for Kaylee, but also that he kind of wishes he wasn't on a crazy adventure on the fringes of space that he, he, we find out he was kind of set up nicely as a successful doctor already in, in, a, yeah. in on an Alliance planet where there was a uh, much more established civilization and an upper class. And he was going to be a part of the upper class and he was comfortable with that. He's not out on the fringe because of like moral outrage. He's here solely to protect his sister. And he's kind of pleased that he's met Kaylee along the way. Let's talk a little bit about River uh, in this episode. So, sure. so we open up with multiple scenes where she is clearly feeling like an outsider. Um, uh-huh. So she has this journey through the ship at the beginning. And we're following her and we're seeing pairs. Um, everyone else on the ship is kind of paired off. Right. So Simon and Kaylee are flirting. Shepard Book and Jane are having a conversation. I, I, I kind of wish we had Shepard Book and Jane adventures because they're just such opposites. Um, though in this episode, we do get the hint about Shepard book. So we've we've been told all along, he's a Shepard book, which is kind of this itinerant preacher that just goes along. He's done a few things. He's done a few things that show he has more to his past. But in this episode, after the bounty hunter knocks him unconscious, uh, when Simon is with the bounty hunter, Simon says, why'd you knock out a a shepherd? And the bounty hunter just looks down at him and says, that ain't no shepherd. (laughs) He doesn't say anything else. He doesn't say anything else. But like, what is he then? (laughs) Uh, but we see, 
like I said, Shepard and Jane having a conversation. And then I think it's up in the cabin. Zoe and Wash are talking. And uh-huh. uh, I don't think we see Mal at this moment, but it really just says essentially that River is alone. She is separate from from everyone else and then there's another really great scene of the crew all discussing river and you know talking about her and then we pan the camera pans through the floor and there's kind of early 2000s cgi showing the camera (laughs) dropping down through the floor and Uh and then this is a great scene because you see river's head up against the ceiling and she's listening and then it gives a wide shot and it shows that she's perched in this almost impossibly delicate way. She's, she's perched standing atop of some handrails. Um, the actress who plays, um, River Tam, her her name is Summer Glau. Is that right, Andrew? The last name Glau. Uh, but she was a trained dancer that Joss Whedon used in an episode of Angel as a ballerina where he needed a ballerina and he was impressed with her acting chops. And so she got to come along to, to serenity, but the way she moves is very graceful. Um, and so again, though, that, that, epi- that, that scene of her listening in on our conversation is all about her again, just separates her. And then she spins the bulk of the episode, literally separate from the ship as she's saving everyone. She's still uh-huh. this like literal outsider in that instance. And so there's just some really, uh, I think intelligent ways that we're being shown her outsider status. Um, right. And yet there's the, the, the end of the episode, one of her, I think is her last line is permission to come aboard captain. Isn't it? When she, or, or yes. one of her last lines, I think she still says something about Simon after she has engineered the successful trap for the bounty hunter and had captain Mal waiting outside of the ship to, to throw the bounty hunter off the ship. She floats back down very gently and again, gracefully onto the ship's hull and says mm-hmm. to captain Mal permission to come aboard. So she wants to belong. She wants to be a part of this, this crew. But she's such an outsider that when she made the threat saying, I want to go with you and be your bounty to the bounty hunter, that's, I think Simon really believed that she was going to do it, that she was going to mm-hmm. go fly off because she didn't belong. Yeah. It's, it's cool to see how, like, when, when she talks to Kaylee, there is connection there. Like, there's trust in, in this the kind of, like, disembodied voice speaking with Kaylee. Right. Kaylee trusts her. In this terrifying situation in which, as you pointed out, she's been threatened in the most, in the calmest and most horrific way possible. Um, but when, when River's voice comes along, this like completely unhinged, totally unstable, uh, girl, when her voice comes into, into Kaylee's head, she's like, she trusts it. And I think that's really interesting. Um, and then Mal, who from the beginning is like, we've got to get this girl off of this ship, is the one who is like welcoming her back on board, right? Yeah. At the end. And it's cool to see how, even though she is isolated and she doesn't have the same kind of relationship with these people that they have with each other, that she still matters to them. She matters to Kaylee, she matters to Shepard. She matters to Simon for sure, she, and she matters to Mal. We, we found out uh, in an episode, like the the previously on clips for this last episode, showed that there was an episode where Jane sold her out to the Alliance, like tried to pick up a bounty that was out yeah. on her, and Captain Mal was ready to cut Jane loose <laughs> after that. And Jane, he was ready to like send him out the airlock, yes, wasn't yes. he? And uh, Jane's response was, "I got stupid. The money was too good. I think was." Was that his yes. explanation? I got stupid because uh-huh. it was too good. But, uh, I think 
he's the one that, as we said at the beginning, Jane is the most mercenary of this whole crew. Like, he doesn't have necessarily a moral code that's guiding his actions. It's just yeah. his carnal desires for money or whatever <laughs> seem to be driving him along. Money or whatever, is that what we call it? <laughs> yeah. Um and so I, he's the one that I would say has the least connection, but he's also the one that has been, he's the only one that's actually been hurt by River at this point, I think, in, uh, cause there was, and again, in the previously on clip, it showed an episode where she'd picked up a knife and she'd cut him. Uh, and he mentions that, oh, he mentions yes, that in the kitchen right. scene, but he's also the only one that would really harm her, I think, uh, amongst this crew, yeah. and he's the only one that's been hurt by her. So there's an antagonism there, but it's going both ways. Jane's not an innocent that was just hurt all of a sudden. Yeah. I just, I think it's interesting that despite how alienated she feels, everyone is willing to come to her aid, you know? Yeah. And like every, there's not a person except, except for Jane. I think there's not a person on the ship that wouldn't risk their life for her. And also, as we saw, they actually trust her. Like when she is laying out the plans, they follow the instructions that, that. Yeah. I think they realize. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because. She is so unstable, but when push comes to shove, everybody trusts her, which I think is cool. And I, I, again, like just talking about it made me realize how skillfully a good storyteller can show that alienation or that outsider status. Um, and the fact that she rescues them literally from outside a spaceship, like when you're in outer space, there's no way to get outside, but they do it. (laughs) You know, they separate her at that extra level. Um, and I, I think there's some really cool symbolism that we could take apart in this episode even, even further. Yeah, it's really it's really good storytelling, um, like visually showing us what's happening emotionally inside of people is really is really cool. Do you, can we talk about early for just a? All right, let's talk about early for a minute, Todd. Fine. I just think he's hilarious. The things that he says <laughs> and the delivery is so wonderful from the actor. I, um, let me check the recesses of my mind. Does that seem right to you? <laughs> what? He says that so many times. Does that seem right to you? Yes. So what are the things that he says? Does that seem right to you? He says it about uh, man is stronger than woman, but only a woman can bear a child. <laughs> Does that seem right to you? <laughs> uh, do you remember any others that he says that about? Uh, I can't remember. It's just, it's, it's worth watching this episode just to see his performance because he's so weird. But he, I, like I said, with and... his discussion with Haley, he's playing it very monotone in a lot of ways. Like there's, uh-huh. there's not a lot of range up and down in his it's emotions. total deadpan. Yeah. But both the humor is so strong when he says the funny things, but also like the terror when he says the seriously horrifying things and the threats that he uh-huh. makes to Kaylee, it makes, in, in some ways it makes our reaction to those things be elevated because he is so level in the way that he's delivering it all. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange, it's a strange thing. Um, but I think it it's executed really, really well. Real quick, I'm checking the recesses of my mind for the actor's name who plays him. Richard Brooks is the name of the actor uh, who plays him. And he has a great voice. And he, like we said, really strong delivery of these lines. And when my two favorite moments of this episode are definitely the moment with Jane pulling off the sheet, revealing the swall of, of, of weaponry, <laughs> and then just curling up to fall asleep. And then going back. <laughs> but then the other one is the exchange where... <laughs> Simon says, are you a lion? And he says, am I a lion? And he just goes off yeah. for a minute. <laughs> and then after Simon like corrects I him. I have and, a mighty roar. <laughs> Simon corrects him and says, no, I said alliance. And he just goes, oh, that's weird. I thought you said, 
where's your sister? <laughs> he like, like resets his mind and like gets back on track of his focus. Yeah. Um, and w- so about his character, I mean, we could spend all day recreating his deliveries, which uh, again, just go watch the episode for those. But when, um, river goes up to the spaceship and, and one of the things that you start to see him be a little rattled besides her giggling through the speakers of serenity is <laughs> when she starts to say things about his past. Um, and she says like you, you hurt people. And he says, that's part of the job. And she says, that's why you chose the job. Uh, which I think yes. is a really revealing thing about, uh, about him. You know, this, this person, and uh, hasn't been corrupted by the work that he does. And I think you can see really interesting stories and really interesting characterizations of people who do hard things and it, it wears them down and it does corrupt them in ways or, or it beats them down. And, but, but this guy was, this guy was messed up going into it. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think it's also really interesting because we just talked about river where river says you're broken, just like I'm broken, but, they're not <laughs> broken in the same ways. Um, obviously the, the way that their brokenness gets expressed is very different, but I think what we just talked about river being an outsider, but wanting to be inside and also being welcomed inside at times, even as she feels that outsiderness, uh, you know, that's a connection that is going to keep her grounded. And it seems like early doesn't have any of that grounding. Yeah. So he's found an outlet for it through being a bounty hunter, but he, he is certainly lacking, uh, you know, any, any morality. And even as River can be erratic, she still seems governed by a, a morality. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's an interesting episode in that I don't, I don't think we get a ton of character development for a lot of the people in the crew. Like Zoe and Wash are basically. Not, and Jane, they're barely in it. And Jane, yeah, they're barely in this episode. Mal is even barely in this episode, but. Uh, as far as River is concerned, and early, and just as as far as like being a great episode uh, with a really interesting story, um, it's completely self-contained, and and we get this just these <laughs> two fascinating characters kind of playing off of each other. It's a really it's 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 a pretty great um, way to end the the, the series, I think. Um, I didn't even realize it until you, uh, something that you just said made it click. This is a bottle episode of TV where it's pretty, you know, it's all self-contained on one set and kind of you see River up in <laughs> the, the cockpit of another spaceship. So there is technically, uh, a second set, but bottle episodes are famous money savers. Um, and a lot of fans complain about bottle episodes saying they're not as good when you know, they're, they're unable to escape. So community famous, famously did a bottle episode that they talked about this, like Abed said, Oh, this is a bottle episode where the entire episode was in their study room. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, I, I think, um, a lot of fans have complained. There's an episode of breaking bad that takes place all in, uh, or almost entirely all in one room, but it was a bottle episode to save budget for a later blow out of the budget. They needed more budget uh-huh. for a later thing. I'm wondering if this was a bottle episode because Fox was already starting to cut some of the strings. <laughs> to the show yeah it uh, to been. the production but if it was it feels very different from anything else we see in the series yeah but if it was this is one of the most well executed bottle episodes like if it was because of outside you know cost cutting you know issues yeah. that made them say we got to do about an episode that's all on the set that we already have this is one of mm-hmm. the best examples i think of being able to tell a story that is entertaining, uh, that is, will make you laugh and also gasp, you know, several times and you just, it's just enjoyable to watch, but also carries a lot of thematic heft to it. And yes. it doesn't feel trapped. It, you know, it doesn't feel like they're saving money or they're, or, you know, they're, they're skimping on the budget. 
And I would say like classic Joss Whedon also in that it's funny, uh, but it's also emotionally deep. And there are surpri- like surprises, like you said, that make you gasp. It's all all of the things that we love about Joss Whedon's stories, I think we see in here, except for random deaths of people <laughs> that we care about. <laughs> yeah. That comes later. Yes. Ever made it through this episode. Um, and I, I was going to say, it's also... Like everything about River is just off enough that when she says, "Like I disintegrated myself into the ship," you're like, "No, she didn't." But then it goes on long enough that you start to say, "What is going on with her?" You're like, "Wait, did, maybe did she, she did." <laughs> uh, and I think it just strikes the the right note for that. Yeah, I agree. Do you have any final thoughts on uh, Firefly before we wrap uh, this up? Just give it a very strong recommendation to go binge it. it uh, as far as like I said, binge shows, this one you can get through very quickly, and there is, a, I feel, a satisfying movie that does wrap things up. So if you're frustrated at the end of the 14 episodes, you still got a movie you can go watch. Yeah, and I would um, I would say the same thing. It's um, it's pretty good. I mean, it, like I said, it's not my favorite TV show in the world, uh, but it's pretty good. I would say just like one word of caution. It's, it's probably not for like younger kids. Yeah, this is definitely uh, the upper end of maturity of what you see on broadcast networks. Like it, it was on Fox. Yeah, like it was on a, broadcast TV, but it's definitely, it earned its, it's like TV 14. It earned every, every, yeah. every bit well, of it. And a lot of it because of the situation with Anara and the way that they explore kind of some um, aspects of sexuality throughout, I would say, you know, like I wouldn't just throw this in front of my kids and say, go watch this. It's tons of fun. Yeah. Uh, but it's uh, it's a pretty interesting show, and uh, Joss Whedon is there's a reason why all geeks love Joss Whedon because he's really really good at what he does. All right, well once again a uh, thank you to Jessamine, our patron who helped to make this episode possible, and that is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you all for joining us, and please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in iTunes and leave us a review there. It helps us to gain new listeners, and it helps us to feel like we're you know doing something that people are listening to <laughs> as we send these out into the void of the internet links to things that we've talked about in this episode are at protagonistpodcast.com and you can also find a list of all of our previous episodes there you can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com and we're all also on twitter there's at protagonist pod for the official podcast feed or you can follow todd at todd k mac i am at jay Dorowski, and our producer andrew is at andrew underscore Dorowski. Our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast. If you like the show and would like to support us financially, there are a few different ways you can do that. You can buy a topic for us to discuss or, or show your appreciation for the show with a monetary donation by clicking the support link on our homepage, or you can just go to patreon.com slash protagonist. And do not forget to sign up for a 30 day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. And we would also ask that you make any Amazon purchases by going to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon and that way everything is the same for you but we get a little kickback that helps us to keep the lights on here at Protagonist Central. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back again next week to talk about another great character in a great story. So long. Hello. Then, oh, pause for Andrew to blow his nose. I'll get some coughs in. Proceed. Okay.